Isai Rodriguez, host of the Daspination Podcast, where I cater to the professional working man, 40 and above, who's looking to make positive changes to his health, lose weight, and become stronger overall through simple lifestyle changes. I'm here to share inspiration, tips, and proven lessons that I've personally learned and lived through in my 40 plus years on this here beautiful blue planet. So today we'll start the discussion off by talking about is tea addictive in our first segment and then we'll move on to our second segment and talk about everything you need to know about good and bad fats and before we get into that I'd like to join the conversation and take your health and wellness to the next level get on over to podcast.daspination.com vip to enroll in our insiders community where I share more entertaining behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger each and every day. That's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice fat juicy five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much it really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters now let's move into our first segment with healthy conversations oh yeah oh yeah it's been a, it's been a long time <laughs> it's been a long time and that introduction still gets me fired up so in this week's install, well, first of all, <laughs> before we get into that, before we get into healthy conversations, um, yeah, so where have I been? So first of all, let me let me uh, extend my appreciation to those who have actually, you know, reached out to me and, you know, to see how I was doing and where I was basically, <laughs> uh, because that, that really touched me. I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see that you know, that my, you guys, my fat, my following, you, you people, this is why I do this. You know, you guys were looking out for me. You guys were uh, checking up on me, seeing where I was uh, and things like that. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I, I don't know if you kind of got the sense of, you know, through if, if you've been following me for any length of time, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking about um, how we've been gearing up for a move across country. And uh, well, that uh, that move actually happened in the past couple of, you know, the past two months or so. And uh, well, we are now on the other side of the U.S. We are no longer on the East Coast. We are now on the West Coast. And let me tell you, it is beautiful out here. The weather, the scenery, the people, we're loving it. But um, again, thank you very much for the, all you guys that actually reached out from uh, to me to, to see how I was doing. Uh, it was really, you know, I really appreciate that. And um, But enough about me. We're talking this week on uh, Healthy Conversation. We're answering the question, <laughs> is tea addictive? And this is a good one because I don't know about you. I love tea. <laughs> like, can you actually get addicted to tea in the traditional, uh, you know, in the traditional sense that we know of addiction, you know? 
So, I mean, I think I think this is a serious question and one that really needs some explanation, if you ask me. And, uh, you know, as usual, I'd love to try and get to the bottom of this, or at least understand it a little better. So first off, tea is one of the most popular beverages worldwide. Hands down, bar none, you know, with maybe the exception of coffee. You know, it comes in a range of varieties and, and they all come from, you know, they, they all come from the same plant. That's the uh, Camellia sinus. I had to write this one down. I can't even say sinensis. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it, it, it all comes from the same plant. Imagine that, you know, many of the things that make up tea are consistently linked to various health benefits. I'm sure you, you know, you've probably heard this before, um, you know, this tea or that tea, like overall, it's good for your health, you know, because of this really, you know, it causes uh, most people to consider tea a healthy, well, you know, <laughs> let, let me rephrase that. It's because of this, uh, you know, these links to different health benefits. Like it's because of this that it causes so many people to consider tea a healthy addition to their diet. And, uh, you know, nonetheless, some people argue because, you know, there's always <laughs> those people that argue, you know, that, that uh, so in this case, they, they argue that <laughs> some some of, uh, you know, the tea's com compounds or the things that make up tea, uh, these chemicals that are in the tea naturally, you know, these um, components, if you will, <laughs> you know, they, they say that these com these compounds, like they may also have addictive properties to them. And so they say that, you know, drinking too much can actually do more harm than good. You know, what are your thoughts on this? What are your experiences? Drop it down in the comments, uh, because if this is true, <laughs> that you can actually become addicted to tea, then this is a big thing, in my opinion. And if so, what can you do about it? That's what we're going to talk about real quick here, you know, because here's ultimately what I found, you know, is that we know tea contains caffeine. There's no surprise there. You know, that, <laughs> there's no hocus pocus. You know, we know this. And, uh, you know, we know that caffeine can be addictive. So it's easy to assume that because of that, tea can, in fact, be addictive. I mean, you know, between coffee and tea and more importantly, the amount of people that consume <laughs> these beverages, it's no wonder why it's classified as the most commonly consumed psychoactive substance worldwide. It's, it's a natural stimulant. And the compound that's most often to blame uh, for tea's addictive properties, uh, you know, there's no question, you know, but, but here's the thing, you know, different types of tea contain different amounts of caffeine, but caffeine in, an, in and of itself, like it's often labeled as addictive because it has a chemical structure that, you know, it's similar or very similar actually to uh, you know, what's already naturally found in your body, this chemical known as adenosine relaxes your uh, uh, central nervous system. And because caffeine and adenosine are so similar, adenosine or is it adenosine? I don't know. <laughs> you know me with these uh, technical terms, you know. But anyway, because they're so similar in their, you know, chemical makeup, Science shows that uh, caffeine can fit into adenosine receptors in your brain. 
And so what this means, you know, what this means to you is this. Again, a denison signals your brain that you're tired. Think about that. It says, hey, brain, you know, your body is tired. I'm tired. It is, it's your brain. Uh, you know, it, it tells your brain that, that, you're, that you're tired, that your body's tired and, and that it's, you know, time for you to rest. You know, that it's that's what gives your body that signal that, you know, hey, <laughs> or I should say better said, it gives your uh, brain the signal that, hey, it's time to sleep. You know, it's time to rest. It's time to chill out, you know. So when caffeine jumps into these brain receptors, when it when when, when caffeine is introduced into the mix, you know, it basically blocks the the signals like the it, it blocks the adenosine from being able to talk to your brain for lack of better terms so now that you're you know if you're not getting that you know quote unquote hey i'm tired signal into your brain from your body uh <laughs> you can only imagine what that's going to lead to you know because it's being blocked by the caffeine obviously you know and, and that's why you feel alert and awake <laughs> go figure that now this can also uh, cause your body to release uh, larger amounts of like other stimulants like dopamine. Uh, this is the feel-good hormone or the uh, quote-unquote the uh, happy hormone. <laughs> these rushes of dopamine can also squash or suppress those feelings of tiredness. Again, this adds to the alertness you might feel if and when you're you know drinking coffee or tea. Uh, they say that regularly drinking uh, caffeine-containing beverages like tea may cause your brain cells to make more adenosine receptors to uh, basically overcompensate for the ones that were blocked by the caffeine. So it, it floods your brains basically, uh, the, or the you know the recept it creates these receptors in your uh, brain that. that uh, uh, so that it can get these signals from your body into your brain. So what happens is that, <laughs> think about this now. So over time, what happens is that you, you may end up needing more and more uh, larger amounts of tea to experience that same effective, uh, that, that same effects from, from the caffeine, you know? <laughs> Let me let me ask you this. Is this, is this kind of sounding familiar to anyone out there? <laughs> it's more or less what happens with any drug, really. You know, this includes like, you know, uh, alcohol and cocaine and things like that. Basically, the more you have or the more your body um, takes in, uh, the less or, or the more tolerant you get towards that drug. You know, so you ever you ever met someone who could easily drink a six pack and, and still walk and talk straight? Uh, that that's because of this same effect, you know. I'm I'm sure you do. Like I'm, I'm I I know I'm not the only one, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, it, it, it that's the same effect that we're talking about here, you know, where you uh, you know, you consume more and more, and uh, the more you consume, <laughs> the the more your body gets used to it. And then the unfortunate part with that is that you know, the more you get used to it, well. <laughs> the more you need to consume of that drug or stimulant or whatever, you know, the, the more that uh, just to feel those effects. This could also be why, you know, it'll generally cause you to uh, experience withdrawal symptoms if you quit, like, let's say, uh, cold turkey, as they say. Like, if you quit out of the blue, like abruptly, you know, and, and go from consuming, 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 you know, I don't know, let's say, uh, 10 drinks a day or to, to, to zero, you know, you go 
from one extreme to the other. You know, ultimately, these changes in brain chemistry, uh, because that's what we're screwing with here is the chemistry of the brain. These changes are why, you know, the caffeine containing foods and drinks are considered potentially addictive. <laughs> but the question we want to answer here is this. Is it a true addiction? That's the question. Now, uh, you know, addictions come in many shapes and forms. And, and even though this is true, like they actually tend to share uh, several clinical symptoms, you know, the ones most often used by health professionals <laughs> to recognize an addiction uh, include like, well, first, first is that, you know, people tend to continue the use of, uh, of something even though it's clearly causing them harm, like you, you've probably seen this, you know, uh, it's pretty typical where somebody's on some kind of um, drug or alcohol and, and they, they know it's harming them and they try to stop, but they can't, you know, that's what health professionals uh, call or recognize as like a real um, addiction, you know, and then there, there's the second is how they uh, persistently desire a drug or they're unsuccessful in their efforts to, you know, to control or cut down usage. You know, they, they try, but they just can't. Like they literally try to stop. Uh, if they want to stop, you know, they have all the intentions to stop. They just physically cannot stop. And the third sign is like, you know, with someone experiencing uh, withdrawal symptoms when cutting down or even discontinuing use. So these are the people or situations where they're able to stop. But again, it's like, you know, they physically can't because their body needs that drug or chemical to function almost as bad as, you know, as we need water or air to function as a human. You know, that, that that's how bad uh, this chemical dependency becomes. You know, these people that are, quote unquote, chemically dependent, you know, like they need their chemical of choice to function. Now, there is research out there that uh, suggests that some people who regularly consume caffeine, like they may develop addiction-like symptoms. So this three signs or signals that, that, that I just mentioned, like they, they, there's research out there that has shown uh, people to, what's the word, uh, basically display <laughs> one or, or three or however many of these signs or signals you know in fact actually uh there's so much research that the who has done like they've officially recognized caffeine dependence as a syndrome go for like think about that <laughs> look it up <laughs> seriously always trust but verify you know here's where the uh because uh, you know <laughs> i always like to dig up the controversy you know that so Here's the controversy in this: is that the APA, the uh, you know the the American Psychiatric Association, does not classify caffeine addiction as like a substance abuse disorder. You know, because so I, I found these these research studies, and I you know I started like cross referencing with, with the APA and stuff like that because they kind of like the uh, I don't know what you would call them, but they're they're kind of the people that actually come up with all these. Uh, disorders, I guess, you know what I mean? The, the psychiatric association, but their main aha or their main theme, like the gist to most of their studies is almost the opposite to what the who believes, you know? So they basically say that it's currently unclear. And, and I placed a 
word currently in between quotations because <laughs> there are still a lot of studies being conducted. You know, so this is like an ongoing thing, you know. But but they say that it's again currently unclear. It's not. Uh, they're not sure how many people like have developed or do develop addiction-like symptoms as a result of drinking tea, and that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> you know, there's there's also limited information about whether tea drinkers truly struggle with reducing their intake. You know, most tea drinkers love to drink tea. Uh, it's that simple, in my opinion. You rarely hear a tea drinker talking about, uh, <laughs> I can't get my day started without my cup of tea. Uh, well, maybe they have, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm not that hardcore of a tea drinker, but I, I can't say that, you know, I can't say the same about some uh, coffee drinkers <laughs> they are a different breed altogether if you ask me and, and then and then there's me you know I, I, I love my coffee but uh, there are times when I just you know I want a, a calming cup of uh, tea you know it's just something that's gonna relax me but uh, <laughs> not really put me to sleep or anything you know what I mean? but all that being said the research basically shows that more research needs to be completed before any definitive conclusions can be made about the addictive properties of tea. So like I said, um, you know, <laughs> there's still currently uh, a lot of studies being conducted. Um, so uh, they're still waiting for all that data to come in so they can kind of process that and come to a definitive, you know, conclusion as to whether or not, you know, whether or not they believe that it, it, it does and can have, you know, these addictive qualities or properties, you know. But what the numbers seem to be telling right now is like, is that, you know, drinking as little as two to three cups of tea per day, like this might be enough to cause a physical tea dependency. But again, <laughs> more research is needed before a true determination can be made. So at this point, the best thing to do is to know what the symptoms or the signs are of, uh, you know, dependency, like what they are in, in reality, you know, because to be honest, it can be really hard to tell whether you've developed a physical tea dependency or not, you know? So one sign may be that you find it difficult to reduce your intake despite uh, experiencing unpleasant side effects, you know, like headaches or jitteriness when you drink your tea. So like you're having these um, side effects, you know, but you might not realize it, you know, but because it's kind of part of your day. You know, you get to a point where you, you don't even notice these things sometimes, you know, um, until uh, until it gets really bad. Another way to tell whether you've, you know, become addicted, quote unquote, is to uh, check if you experience these withdrawal symptoms, you know, if you were to suddenly stop drinking tea, if you can actually do that, you know. I know for some people that's kind of difficult to actually just stop just like that. You know, look at look for things like headaches, uh, lack of concentration, drowsiness. So you know what I mean. Like if you can actually stop, look for these things: fatigue, irritability, anxiety, things like that. You know, um, or if you even uh, if you're finding yourself having a depressed mood. You know, like these are all signs and symptoms. You know, they, that uh, that could uh, can and may appear as soon as. Uh, I forget what the actual number is, but they say like a 12, I think it's 12 to 24 hours after uh, cutting tea or caffeine from your diet, you know, think about that. And it can actually, they say it can actually last for up to nine days. 
So that's pretty significant, if you ask me. I don't buy. I don't. I don't want to be suffering for nine days. <laughs> you know, he's a, now they also say that you know the the severity of these symptoms, like that, usually peaks within the those first uh, nine days, and then it gradually decreases after that. So uh, you know, the question is at this point, right now, is can drinking too much tea be harmful? <laughs> well. What the pros suggest is this. This is what they're saying. They suggest that, uh, you know, drinking up to uh, 12 cups of tea per day <laughs> appears to be not be that safe uh, uh, for people, you know? And the amount actually, you know, uh, like I said, it depends on the variety of tea, you know? Again, certain teas have more caffeine than others. So this uh, 12 cups, it's not exactly written in stone, you know, so depending on the uh, type of tea that you're drinking, it could be a little more, it could be a little less. You have to be kind of aware of the type that you're drinking and, um, you know, or I should say the variety that you're drinking and then adjust accordingly. Not only that, but, uh, you know, some people with some or certain medical conditions like or who are uh, sensitive to caffeine may uh, benefit from drinking less tea than that you know so if your situation is that you shouldn't be drinking much to begin with or if you have something uh, medically like some condition or something like that that you should uh, you shouldn't be drinking that much then then that number obviously you have to reduce that you know I, I've gone into more uh, in-depth detail on this very same topic in the in the community but what I can say here is that be mindful of the amount of caffeine that uh, that's in your favorite uh, flavor. Again, the different um, different varieties have different amounts of caffeine, so you just have to kind of be aware of uh, what you're drinking and how much it has, and then adjust accordingly. That's pretty much it. <laughs> now, what if for some reason you needed to quit or wanted to quit? You know, what what do you do then? You know, because here's the thing. How do you quit your caffeine fix, right? Well, I got a few tips <laughs> that straight from the pros and, and what they say, you know, shouldn't surprise you. Or maybe it does, who knows, I don't know. But the first tip is to stop gradually. We've talked about this uh, at length in the past, you know. Like going all in when, when you haven't done something in a long time, and, you know, we, we talked about how it can backfire. And, well, you know, the same goes for, uh, for the same goes here, too. You know, when, when you're trying to quit something, you know, make it a gradual change, not a cold turkey thing, you know. So reducing your intake by a half a cup or one cup a day, you know, rather than going cold turkey, like that'll help reduce the likelihood of you experiencing these unwanted or unpleasant uh, withdrawal symptoms. You know, it's it's been proven, you know. The second tea quitting tip is get enough sleep. Sleep is a magical thing. You know, it, it helps in so many ways from focus to energy to recovering from the flu and pretty much everything in between. And so, you know, that also includes quitting your tea habit. It can help reduce your likelihood of experiencing fatigue and, uh, you know, that lack of focus that you usually have that, that, that generally makes you uh, crave caffeine. Like, these little things like you can actually subvert these these feelings that you know the uh, uh, fatigue and the lack of focus and all that stuff by getting more sleep you know 
because a lot of times, you know, that that's exactly why you crave the caffeine. It's because of these benefits, the focus, the energy, you know, like getting enough sleep will give you these same benefits. Moving on to the third micro nugget for ditching the tea bag. <laughs> Drink enough fluids. Emphasis on the enough, you know, because most people will say, you know, they'll say something like, you know, I already drink water. I already drink pr plenty of fluids, you know, but the reality is you're probably not. <laughs> now, if you go by the actual numbers that you should be going by, uh, you know, so replacing uh, caffeinated drinks with the same amount of non-caffeinated drinks, like this will help you stay well hydrated. This, this will also reduce the symptoms of things like headaches and fatigue. So like all these things that we're talking about that are brought on by quitting, like keeping yourself hydrated will uh, put these at ease. Like it'll tame them down basically for lack of better terms. And if you're wondering like uh, what are some good alternatives to your caffeinated tea of choice, well wonder no more because there are so many drinks at your fingertips, drinks like uh, ginger and turmeric or fresh mint leaf infused teas like all naturally caffeine free even like uh, warm water with a nice little squeeze of fresh lemon or how about uh, a golden milk latte or a fresh pressed apple juice think about it i had some over here in cali a few weeks back and it made me feel like a kid again so good so so yummy <laughs> Oh, and how about uh, warm beet juice or carrot juice? Maybe it's your thing. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not your thing, but find something that works for you. I have a whole list here of things. Uh, almond milk with a dash of cinnamon or nutmeg. I've heard people use this as like an alternative. Not, my, not quite my thing. I'm not into the whole almond milk thing, but hey, if that's you, hey, that, that, could, be, that could be an option. Even um, here's another one. Warm, low-sodium broths vegetable or chicken or something you know it's another option but to be honest i think if you're trying to cut down or quit your tea uh, addiction good caffeine free herbal tea will really do the trick you can even try mixing a caffeinated and non-caffeinated tea so that you uh you know you can work your way off caffeine little by little options baby options that's how you successfully reduce or ultimately remove caffeine out of your uh, daily routine you know like and, and that's the thing you're not trying to go cold turkey you're trying to reduce and then ultimately uh, remove it all altogether and here's the bottom line some types of tea contain caffeine that many people consider addictive we already know that i mean it's a psychoactive compound after all yeah that it is what it is you know so it's and it's believed that regularly drinking tea may be linked with dependency-like symptoms in some people. So, uh, you know, but the experts are still debating whether that tea addiction can actually be considered a true addiction. So, you know, that being said, if your current tea intake isn't causing you any issues, there's likely no reason for you to worry about it. <laughs> However, if you'd like to cut down, again, do so gradually. Make sure to get enough sleep and, uh, you know, make sure to stay hydrated with plenty of caffeine-free liquids like water. <laughs> and so, the more you know, the better you'll be. Now, with all that said and done, let's switch gears and move on to our second segment with Mighty Man. All right, all right, what we're talking about here, uh, 
oh yeah, <laughs> everything you need to know about good and bad fats. This is a great topic if you ask me because, uh, you know, when it comes to dieting and watching your weight and whatnot, like fats get a bad rap. Some of this, I mean, it's justified, you know, but uh, some of it isn't. <laughs> And this is simply because of the certain type of fat, you know? So for instance, the um, fat-like substance uh, that we all know as cholesterol, like this is, uh, it's not necessarily fat, but it's it's fat-like. Uh, it, it's been linked to many nasty conditions from uh, diabetes to uh, cardiovascular disease, you know, to obesity and even cancer. But not all fats are created equal. <laughs> You know, let's just get it out there. Some fats are better for you than others. They, um, you know, they, they, they help to promote good health in your body, period. And so knowing the difference can help you decide which fats to avoid and which to eat in moderation. So you can pretty much get away with anything as long as you do it in moderation. So let's go to the research again. <laughs> And, and this is a tricky subject because the, uh, or not, not necessarily a subject, but the topic, because the research is always evolving on what dietary fat is or like what they categorize <laughs> as uh, dietary fat. But some of those facts, like they're pretty clear, you know, for instance, uh, dietary fat, uh, also known as uh, AKA <laughs> fatty acids, you know, these types of fats, like they, they can be found in foods from, from, from plants and animals. So we have them on both, uh, in both spectrums, you know, so if you're one or the other. <laughs> Some specific fats, even, uh, you know, they've been linked to negative effects on heart health. But then on the flip side of things, there are others that have been found to uh, offer significant, significant health benefits. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, fats are... They're an essential part for your, you know, of your diet for fueling your body with energy, just like protein and carbs. You know, fats are just as important. Boom! I bet you weren't expecting that, huh? <laughs> In fact, some of your bodily functions also rely on fat. So, for example, some vitamins require fat in order to dissolve into your bloodstream to provide those nutrients to your body. <laughs> Let me say that again. Some vitamins require the fat, good fat, I, I might add, you know, in order to dissolve. And, and so, so, so basically for your body to process some vitamins, they require uh, fat for that process to happen, for the nutrients to be absorbed into your body. Now, here's the bad part of this. Even though, you know, your body needs some of these special, uh, quote unquote, good fats, uh, these fatty acids as they're, they're known, um, eating or, uh, you know, consuming too many calories from fat of any type, really, good or bad, it can still make you gain weight. So that's that's the, uh, as they call it, the catch-22. <laughs> you know, different foods and oils contain a mixture of these fatty acids. But the predominant or the, the dominant type of fat that uh, they contain is what makes them more healthy or less healthy. You know, so there again, there's different foods out there, all have different types of uh, or different mixtures of these fatty acids like they're made up the same or made up differently but or of different uh, amounts but it's the fat that 
predominantly makes up the food. That that if it's a good one, then then it's a good food. If it's a bad one, then it's a bad food. For lack of better terms, that's basically it. So if if a food or oil has more bad fat, then you you know you consider that food or oil less healthy. And then the opposite of this is true, you know, where if you you know, have a food or oil that is made up of mostly good fat, then that food item or oil is considered to be good. So easy peasy, right? <laughs> so I'm assuming your first question is, uh, you know, well, what are the less healthy fats? Because of the two types, let's start understanding, you know, the bad fats first. So, so we can start staying away from them as much as possible. Now, there are, you know, there's basically two types of bad fats. There's um, uh, saturated fat and trans fat. These two types of fats have, like, they've been found to be bad for your health. There's a reason why they're <laughs> they're considered bad fats, you know. And uh, you know, unfortunately, there, uh, you know, there's quite a few foods that contain these types of fats. So foods like butter and margarine and shortening uh, beef or pork fat. All of these are solid at room temperature and just bad <laughs> for your bodily. So needless to say, trans fat should be avoided at all costs and saturated fats should rarely, rarely, if ever, <laughs> be eaten. Most uh, saturated fats are animal fats. You know, they're, they're found in high fat meats and uh, dairy products. So these are things like uh, fatty cuts of beef, pork, lamb, uh, dark chicken meat, and um, poultry skin, like all this. Also, high-fat dairy foods like whole milk, butter, cheese, um, sour cream, and ice cream, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and tropical oils like coconut oil and um, cocoa butter and palm oil. And lastly, lard. <laughs> so no Crisco, my friends. <laughs> Because eating too much saturated fat can increase blood cholesterol levels and uh, LDL or the bad cholesterol levels. And, uh, you know, traditionally, doctors have linked higher saturated fat intake with uh, increased heart disease risk. But, you know, <laughs> this idea uh, has recently been called into question. So according to Harvard University, uh, researchers now think that um, saturated fat may not be as bad as they once thought. <laughs> but don't, uh, despite this, you know, putting the research aside, don't start feasting on deep fried chicken and sweet potato fries because although they found signs that, you know, it's not as bad as they thought, it still isn't the best choice of fats. Let's just, let's just put it out there. In 2015, a review of uh, 15 randomized controlled trials, this review looked at these trials, um, you know, at the, at the satur of saturated fats and heart disease and how they're linked <laughs> primarily, you know, and, and how they interact with one another and whatnot. And what they found was that replacing saturated fat in your diet with polyunsaturated fats can reduce your risk of heart disease. And while this risk reduction is low, th these differences could make a difference to your overall health. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like something to pay attention to. Also, in 2017, a journal article published in the um, 
British Journal of Sports Medicine, uh, they reported that the risks of the bad cholesterol, the LDL, they reported that it basically uh, had been overstated. So in the past, it was thought that it had, uh, you know, a serious negative effect on your heart health. But, uh, you know, they said that these earlier or older assumptions were slightly exaggerated. Why? I don't know, but <laughs> that's what it said. So something to think about, you know, this same article from, uh, you know, the British Journal recommends that you compare your total cholesterol level to your HDL or the good cholesterol level instead, because doctors are associating a higher ratio difference between both total cholesterol and good cholesterol. They're associating this or they're making this connection with, you know, increased insulin resistance and heart problems. Like they're, they're thinking this is a better measure for your health. <laughs> now, trans fat or, you know, trans fatty acids, by the way, uh, you'll find these trans fat in foods that contain partially hydrogenated uh, vegetable oils. Say that five times fast. <laughs> these are the worst types of fats for you. And, and, and that's why I said earlier that you should avoid them at all costs. So these are foods like fried foods, uh, like French fries, donuts. Uh, deep fried fast foods, <laughs> you know, that deep fried chicken, KFC, <coughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> margarine, where, whether stick or tub, doesn't matter, vegetable shortening, cookies, cakes, pastries, all trans fats, all of it, <laughs> no good for you, you know that, stay away from it, also processed snack foods, like crackers and microwave popcorn, shit like that, you know, and just like uh, the saturated fat, uh, trans fat can raise the bad cholesterol, your LDL. Not only that, but uh, it also lowers or suppresses your, your good cholesterol, your HDL. So, it, I mean, it's, it's like, that's not good. It's raising your bad and lowering your good. That's like, that's just terrible, you know? We're looking for the opposite results. Ideally, you want to lower your bad uh, cholesterol, your LDL. You want to lower that and raise your good, your HDL. That's it. Now, having said that, that's all bad news and stuff, but doctors have also linked trans fat to an increased risk of inflammation in the body. Where, I mean, where do I begin with the horrible effects of inflammation on the body, you know? I mean, I, I think we'll leave that for a separate podcast episode because, uh, I don't know, what do you think? Because I, I could probably go on forever about that, but um, give me a thumbs up in the comments or hell yeah <laughs> if you want to hear about inflammation because this inflammation can wreak havoc on your body. It has awful, harmful health effects that include heart disease, diabetes, stroke. Uh, need I say more? I mean, actually, uh, I was just thinking, <laughs> some, mar uh, some margarines contain trans fat. Uh, you can usually see it on the, uh, in the ingredients list. I mean, if, if they're made uh, with hydrogenated ingredients, <laughs> you know, that's basically, eat that, that, when you see that, that basically equates to trans fats. That's how you translate that or that's how they try to uh, hide it you know so make sure to always choose non-hydrogenated versions and uh you know i use margarine as an example because well <laughs> because it just came to me and i know people for the longest time 
thought that, you know, margarine was a healthy alternative to butter. If you ask me, that's a lot of marketing hype that programmed everybody to believe that. <laughs> so it's important to ignore the front front of the package marketing and always read the ingredient list to be 100%, you know, sure and absolutely uh, positive that what you're getting is what, what you're getting, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or what, what they're stating they're giving you, you're getting, you know what I mean? Because labeling laws actually allow food companies to round down to zero to claim, uh, quote unquote, no trans fats or, you know, zero grams of trans fat. But again, the foolproof way to know is to check the ingredients. If it says hydrogenated oil, it's no good. <laughs> That's trans fat. No good, period. And now, what about foods with good fats? <laughs> are there any? Well, you'll be surprised. There are quite a few. Now, uh, first off, <laughs> let me say that doctors consider monounsaturated fat and uh, polyunsaturated fat as the more heart-healthy fats. Let's just get that out of the way. Throwing it on the table, there you go. <laughs> you know, these are fats that are better choices for your diet, you know, and foods that are mostly made up of these uh, healthier fats, well, they tend to be uh, like th these tend to be like liquid when they're at room temperature. Uh, actually, a great example is uh, a great example of this is vegetable oil, liquid. <laughs> you know, so so let's talk real quick about monounsaturated fats. You know, this type of fat is super helpful to the body and pretty much uh, present in a variety of foods and oils. <laughs> you know, so several different foods and a handful of oils have this monounsaturated fat. And, uh, you know, research um, has consistently shown that eating foods that have monounsaturated fat can improve your blood cholesterol level and lower your risk of, uh, you know, for cardiovascular disease. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know? So these are foods like, uh, you know, nuts, you know, almonds, cashews, peanuts, uh, pecans, pistachios, monounsaturated fats, walnuts. I can, you know, keep going on and on. Vegetable oils like olive oil or peanut oil, good fat, peanut butter, almond butter, good, <laughs> you know? And one of my personal favorites, the almighty avocado, good, good, and gooder. <laughs> you know, is that is that a real word? Gooder? Joking. I'm joking. <laughs> You know, of course it's not. But, you know, regardless, these are all good fats and good for your health. And now, how about uh, the polyunsaturated fat? What's that all about? <laughs> well, I hope you guys are taking notes here. These these polyunsaturated fats, these are also, they're, they're known as uh, essential fats. And that's, that's because your body, it, like, it can't naturally make them. It just, you know, our bodies need to get them uh, from other foods. It's essential that we get these into our bodies. And, and here's something you may not know, actually. Uh, the leading source of this essential fat is polyunsaturated, you know? So the primary way to get that into your body is through plant-based foods and oils. And like uh, monounsaturated fat, the polyunsaturated fat can also lower your risk for heart disease. Um, it does this by lowering blood cholesterol levels, according to the AHA, <laughs> uh, 
uh, and one particular type of this fat is called omega-3 fatty acids. Um, you know, it's been specifically shown to be super beneficial for your heart. These omega-3s, they lower your risk of coronary artery disease, and they, you know, they, they also help lower blood pressure and protect against irregular heart rates. Uh, these fatty acids, these omega-3 fatty acids come from salmon and herrings and uh, sardines, trout. Should I keep going? <laughs> yes, all right. <laughs> Walnuts, flax seeds, uh, chia seeds, canola oil, all filled with essential omega-3 fatty acids. Not only that, but you can find polyunsaturated fat that have uh, omega-6 fatty acids in foods like uh, tofu, uh, roasted soybeans and soy nut butter. Uh, walnuts also have this. Seeds like uh, sunflower seeds, um, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, and uh, vegetable oils like corn oil and safflower oil, sesame oil, uh, what other, sunflower oil, all full of omega-6, all super helpful to your health and all good for your heart. That's why they say, they say they're heart healthy. <laughs> good stuff here. Now, here's the bottom line with all this. I'm full of bottom lines today, <laughs> but no, really. New research has shown that fats that are more on the progression of good to bad than we used to think, you know? And while trans fats are super bad for your health, saturated fats are not currently linked with an increased heart disease risk, but they're not exactly as healthy as mono and polyunsaturated fats. That's what the new research shows anyway. But the biggest takeaway is basically this. If you didn't get anything but this, <laughs> here, here's the biggest takeaway that you need to understand with all this jibber jabber is that there's no denying that healthier fats are an important part of your diet. No denying that, you know, but it's still crucial to moderate how much of them you eat because all fats are high in calories, period. So too much good fats will still make you fat, <laughs> for lack of better terms. Uh, and I know that's not the PC term, so I'll reel that back in and say that it will most likely lead to weight gain. How about that? <laughs> that being said, uh, you know, it's a good idea to incorporate foods that contain both monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats into your daily uh, diet routine. Um, it's, it's a strategy that'll help your heart uh, improve and, uh, you know, it'll improve your quality of life overall. And that's it right there. Overall quality of health. And so with all that said and done, that's it, you guys. That's my show for today. I hope you found some valuable information here. And if nothing else, I hope I've entertained you for a few minutes and was able to bring you a little manly sunshine to you. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to listen to me. Very much appreciated. On next week's episode, we'll be answering the question, does Metamucil help you burn fat? <laughs> so fellas, if burning fat is your goal right now, You'll definitely want to tune into next week's episode and find out. And if you love what you heard in today's episode and want more advanced tips that go way beyond what you've learned today, then you, my friend, need to be in the conversation with me and the rest of the community by heading on over to podcast.daspination.com slash VIP to enroll in our insiders community where I share exclusive all behind the scenes stories tips and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger and younger each and every day that's podcast.daspination.com slash vip 
Again, that's podcast.dasplanation.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy, five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. Till our next chat, take care now. Bye.